If you take Interstate 95 north from Richmond up through the northeast, you see one side of several major cities. Amtrak train number 94, taking a similar route, sees a very different side of Richmond, Baltimore, Wilmington, Philadelphia, and south New Jersey. One of the most hopeless sights that I saw this week on that trek was some dark row houses outside of Baltimore, I guess in Baltimore, unfit for human habitation. The windows and doors were either boarded or broken, broken out. The patios and sidewalks around them were, are broken too with weeds and little trees stretching upward through the cracks as if they intend to reconquer the space that was captured from them long ago. To the normal eye, the neighborhood appears hopeless. The life, laughter, sweat, and joy have been sucked away as if by some grim vacuum. This is an image of the disciples in the locked house. The life, laughter, sweat, and joy had been sucked out of them by the cruel events in Jerusalem. They had warned Jesus not to go back. If he had listened to them, they wouldn't be in this predicament. But Jesus had said he needed to go back. And now... As they feared, he was dead. Like a corsage skillfully pinned on a lapel, all their hopes had been pinned on Jesus. Now he was gone from their sight, from their lives, from their hopes. And then we have the gospel accounts of resurrection. The fourth gospel, John today, portrays Jesus breaking through any barrier we erect, arriving wherever we are, even behind the doors that we lock, stepping into our lives with a message of peace. Peace be with you, Jesus says, stepping toward you. I bring you peace to calm the fears that lock the doors of your hearts and souls. I bring peace to remind you of unconditional love and grace, even when you cannot forgive yourself. Here, accept my peace to soothe your souls troubled by uncertainty and despair. Peace be with you. As children of God, peace has been willed to us. Through Jesus, we inherit a sense of peace within us that we can neither fully comprehend nor explain. Will anyone inherit the peace of Christ from you? On the spectrum from fear on one end to peace on the other other end, What will you will to those 
in the next generations, those closest to you who are younger and who look up to you? What will you will to them? Peace, it seems to me, is a response to hope. When Jesus had been battered and crucified and buried, I imagine the disciples felt hopeless. Certainly, they still had questions for their master. They always did. And now Jesus' presence had been ripped out from under them like a cotton rug, and they had landed in this big, disoriented heap. Stunned, they now had to figure out, what in the world do we do next? Regardless of how many times and how many ways Jesus tried to prepare them for this, they felt unprepared. I think we're really always unprepared for something new. If you're a parent, you can definitely relate to that. You can read all the books in the world about parenting, but nothing is as they say. (laughs) Maybe not nothing, but you just make it up as you go along. Say you're preparing for a trip to Australia. You've never been You find out what the weather's going to be like so you can pack the right clothes. You make the hotel and flight reservations. You get your snacks together and books or movies that you're going to watch on the way. But really, you'll have no idea what you'll encounter when you get there. You or your luggage may miss the connecting flight. You may have trouble understanding that Australian accent. The hotel may have given away your room even though you reserved it with a credit card. Sometimes we just have to make do with the situations, with new situations, comfortable or not, and despite our best preparations. Between 1892, the year my grandmother was born, and 1924, the year her third child was born, about 12 million immigrants came through Ellis Island in New York Harbor. In their homelands, mostly European, they had faced persecution or famine or fear or all of the above. But they had heard, they had learned of a potential opportunity to escape these difficulties, and that ignited a spark of hope within them. It made them willing to leave behind everything that was comfortable and known, their families, their histories, their languages, their jobs, everything they would be leaving behind to put their lives in the hands of a steamship company and set out with one suitcase, maybe two, for something completely new and different. For those not in first or second class, as the ship steamed across the water, the trip was grueling. Some spent four weeks eating soup and bread and not much of that. They slept close together in big bunk rooms among the lowest of the ship's layers. They shared diseases with each other. But nothing extinguished the spark of hope that burned slightly brighter with each nautical mile. When the shadowy Statue of Liberty first appeared on the horizon, the spark got a little bit brighter maybe even a flame. 
It was probably a small flame, though, because their future was still uncertain. Perhaps they knew that 2% of applicants would be turned away and sent back to their dismal homeland. They didn't want to have come all this way to be sent back. In the harbor, they were transferred to a smaller boat and taken to Ellis Island, where they were paraded through room after room, examination after examination, perhaps spending even months in a hospital wing before they were approved. And only then could they board another boat bound for a port in New Jersey or New York City, some of which were visible, but just out of their reach. And yet enough to keep the spark alive. Now the flame could really burn as their next adventure began. Getting a job, finding a place to live, learning the language. More newness for which they really could not be completely prepared. It all started with a spark of hope that something could be different. That suffering in the old patterns was no longer necessary. For you, is there a pattern in your life that you would like to change? You're not allowed to choose somebody else's pattern. No. You're not allowed to choose somebody else's bad habit that drives you crazy. You're not allowed to choose somebody else's situation. You're not allowed to choose the past to change. But maybe there's something for which you need that spark of hope. All we have to work with as what we know about our current situations. Maybe it's your attitude toward a person or a group of persons that could be better. Change begins with a spark of hope. Maybe you have wished for a simpler life but feel stuck, like you can't leave behind your current lifestyle. Well, think about those 12 million people who came through Ellis Island with one bag, one basket, to begin completely anew. Change begins with a spark of hope. Today's epistle, they call it, or letter, that has been attributed to Jesus' disciple, Peter, glistens with hope. Listen again to this part of his introduction. Praise or blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. He's exuberant about it. And yet, in some of us, hope has died. Whether through cynicism, or through grief, or betrayal, or because we've tried everything we can think of, we have stopped hoping that life can get better, that something can be better. 
One woman said, my life is over when she found out that the cancer had spread to her optic nerve and that she was now going to lose her sight, her precious sight that had enabled her to create beautiful things. That which she loved the most was being taken from her. But scarcely two months later, when Will Willimon visited this woman in her home, he was greeted by music, beautiful music, being played by her on her piano. She said, I've discovered a gift that I didn't know I had until I had to reach out for it. She said this as she played Chopin beautifully. And Willimon notes, I thought this an example of Easter. How in life's complete dead ends, there is something about Christ that enables him to keep coming back to us, keep bringing new life out of death and defeat. We are more prepared for an uncertain future than we think. Christ has given us peace and hope through resurrection. We have inherited these treasures, as did his early disciples. Peace and hope gave them incredible power. We can read about those in the book of Acts. And it gives us magnificent power to take on our lives with a sense of adventure and living hope, as Peter called it. Not dead hope. There's no such thing. Living hope. Just blocks away from those old dead row houses in Baltimore, another neighborhood has been revived. The windows, doors, and patios have been repaired. Flowers grace the front stoops and picnic tables and chairs enliven the backyards. Where there was a tomb, there now is life. And it all began with a divine spark of hope. That divine spark is within each of us. Do we have the courage to reach for it? To maybe fan it a little bit? Bring that into a flame? Through Jesus we can. And I'm going to invite us to a moment of quiet prayer so that you can have that little conversation with God, with Jesus, however prayer works best for you, and see what spark needs to be fanned for you. Let's pray. Holy God, through Jesus Christ, you give us hope. You also give us strength and courage, that which we need to begin fanning that spark of hope into something that would really make a difference for us and for others. Guide us, we pray, in what you call each of us to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.